Today we break down two studies, a counterintuitive research study about students taking out financial aid and succeeding at higher rates than those who don't, and an encouraging study about the efficacy of a nudging program. Hi, and welcome to the Student Success Higher Ed Podcast. I'm Graham Tracy. And I'm Jan Day. Let's get started. Graham, it is good to be back, uh, back in the saddle with our podcast here, and I'm excited that we have two, what I found, very interesting articles uh, in the recent paper um, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm especially intrigued by a story from Sunday, September 8th edition of the New York Times newspaper. It's called, Taking Out a Student Loan is Better Than Dropping Out. Uh, I think that's a great title because it's so counterintuitive. Uh, All of the messages that we and I know parents and and students themselves are seeing from the media and probably talking with their friends and family members of just how daunting student loan debt can be and suddenly we have this article that's basically saying actually maybe it's better to take take out a loan and are they encouraging debt Jan? um in a sense yes but I want to qualify that a bit Uh, shortly. Uh, In a nutshell, the uh, article talks about two recent research papers that were published um, uh, from some economists that explored the role of uh, financial aid and that financial aid offer letter in the students' actions in terms of the amount of loans that they were potentially offered and what they took, and then they examined the outcomes of what happened to those students based on whether or not they took a loan, how much of a loan did they end up taking, and and what happened to them. And um, in short, what? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask for a clarifier, though. Is this four-year schools, two-year schools? So it's both. They looked at community colleges and four-year institutions, and they found that cutting loans hurt, hinders students and hurts their grades. So getting an offer letter that was, hey, even if it said tuition's free for you, where you're getting a full ride, the students were not, uh, they did a randomized study. So some students got a an offer letter that said, um, you have zero balance, welcome to college, and did not offer any kind of loan assistance. And then they had a a randomized group that got offered letters that said, you're in and here's some loan opportunities for you. And what they found was that uh, the students who borrowed less earned worse grades and fewer credits Students who took on more debt, so let me back up, students who were informed that loans were available to them took greater advantage and took out larger loan amounts, and they uh, had more more and greater positive outcomes. So totally counterintuitive to what totally most would think. Yeah. And so you're saying even students who had to pay nothing out of pocket for at least the tuition, room and board may be included in that. Unclear. But 
those people still needed a loan to bridge a gap between their own income capabilities to pay for ancillary expenses. Exactly. And exactly. as a result, an institution that did not offer those loans saw those students drop out at a higher rate and potentially go into greater debt long term than those students who took advantage of a loan right. ended up not only graduating at a higher rate, but then paying off their debt at a higher rate, even though they had more debt than the other students. So I don't know how long they followed these students <laughs> in terms of being able to answer your question about did they pay this off. But my takeaway from the summary in the New York Times of these research papers indicates that um, students who took out, who, who I'll, I'll, they do not use this phrase, I'm using this phrase, sort of went all in, like I'm going all in in college, I'm going to take out the loans that I need, seem to on average have done better in school in terms of the number of credits they earned. For those credits, they earned a higher GPA. And in terms of success outcomes, persistence and transfer from community college to a four-year school, they had higher rates of persistence and successful transfer. So again, why, I think, I think it's a little provocative, this, and surprising, this article. And as I got to thinking about it, and again, they do touch on this in the article, if you stop and think, why might this be? Uh, some things might come to the fore. So the first case was um, they note in the article that more than half of U.S. community colleges do not offer any kind of loan for their students. Right. And, and they think that's a service at the community college, right? A so service as not in the sense, to hin you know, create debt in their students, right? right? For their, they for are their students. trying to head off. This is, again, me talking, not the researchers. It's as if they're trying to head off that student loan debt because they already think the student coming to their community college is more likely to not persist and not achieve a credential and therefore be saddled with the debt and nothing to show for it, in effect. So they're sort of saying, we've got your back, students. We're not going to push right. this loan on you right. that you probably won't be able to pay back. And I think it's partly that, and partly they want to protect themselves from the default rates that the government exactly. holds them to, right? Exactly. And so they, they are fearful that they might have high default rates if they offer up all of these loans to potentially risky students, and at least in, you know, in quote, air quotes here. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they're actually hurting those students right. more than they might have otherwise right. thought. Because the other thing this article sort of underscored for me was this idea of uh, what we've, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, the idea of unmet financial need. That that is the gap, as you were referring to earlier, between what monies you've assembled for college because of a grant, uh, a scholarship, or tuition fee waivers, and what it's really going to cost you to live. Commuting, food, rent, even if your whole college experience is paid for, you still have to live somewhere, uh, sleep somewhere, and eat somewhere. And that unmet financial need gap, as we have seen in our own informal research here at Starfish, 
that is one of the strongest predictors of student persistence and ultimately completion. We see that in our data sets, and I'm, I'm seeing an echo of it in this article, in this research. Right. The other thing that struck me, and I'll, I'll end on this note, because I know you want to talk about the other article that you found. Um, a lot of what I read or reread in the book by Sarah Goldergrob, her book, Paying the Price, she talks about... And that book just keeps coming up, right, Jane? Right? Because it is so timely in it's, the last year or so, two years, I think, since we've read that book mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a book club article. Exactly. It's relevant. It's timely. In fact, I think it's uh, it was ahead of its time. About time. It was about time. Uh, so the thing is, we, we learn from that book through her extremely rich data sets and analyses plus the anecdotal stories she uses to illustrate some of these what otherwise would have been kind of boring economic um, statistics, Uh, she personalized it by actually bringing the stories of real-life students in these various scenarios to the fore. And the stories in that book about how these six or seven different students deal with the differing amounts of unmet financial need that they each suffer from echoes the research results that I read about in this New York Times summary, that the students in paying the price who have greater financial assistance don't have to work the two to three jobs, uh, aren't struggling with transportation challenges in the same way, and they can devote much more of their time to studying, taking additional credits, working closely with a researcher, professor on campus. So they're getting... Taking advantage of the full experience. Exactly. Because they have the financial support. And becoming a success. And becoming a success. success. So a great article pointing to some very interesting research. And I hope it prompts institutions to look more closely at how they communicate to their students about not just the offer that they're getting with their acceptance, but the full financial package in terms of what it really means to them and why they perhaps should take advantage of increasing their debt load. Right. Almost maybe including statistics and other information that comes from studies like these to help students make a decision to take on small amounts of debt, perhaps just to cover gaps. Exactly. To make them help them be more successful. Exactly. Yeah, counterintuitive, but certainly food for thought going exactly. forward for some of our uh, listeners out there, I yeah. think. Now, you found a related article in terms of communication from institutions and its impact. Yes, yeah. so this article is um, really more on the communication and nudging side of the house, right? So that's a big um buzzword everybody is out there thinking well how can I scale my communications how do I make sure that we're prompting students to do the things that we would like for them to do that we think will make them most successful and um, so just today out on Education Dive which did a nice job summarizing a study that came out that um, was a study done by Jobs for the Future JFF for short and Persistence Plus uh, where they studied Um, community colleges, so there were, I believe, four community colleges, 10,000 students in total, 
um, where there was a randomized controlled trial type of study. Actually, I think they used propensity score matching. So our data scientists would be really proud of me for being able to <laughs> um, repeat that articulately. <laughs> but the idea of comparing and contrasting like students, those who received the treatment, so to speak, mm -hmm. and those who did and not, the right? The nudge versus those who did not, right? Being the control. Absolutely. And having similar profiles. Um, so this was a study actually focused specifically on STEM students. And um, they found at the top level, 16% higher uh, percentage points higher for first semester to second semester persistence. So it's quite a large number, mm -hmm. right? So versus doing nothing, 16% um, more who were nudged uh, when they maybe came off track um, or weren't able to meet certain milestones and so on in their first semester of being a STEM major. Um, and what was really intriguing about this was that for if you break the data down even further, um, students of color had even a 16% greater persistence rate than the 16%. Oh, okay. So it's like a double... A double whammy. Double whammy or win-win. Uh, so win. to speak. Or the statistics might not be double. <laughs> but essentially, you know, a much greater percentage of students of color than the original 16%. And adult students persisted 20% higher than all of the um, persisters who received the treatment, if that Ooh, makes sense. Okay, so let me let me... Break that down. Say it back to you. <laughs> yes. So students who we in the student success business might refer to as non-traditional or at higher risk of persisting because they are in a traditionally um, less academically prepared community of students, they saw even greater benefits from the uh set of nudges that were given to them compared to all, si students. all students in the study. Yes. So what kind of nudges did they get? Was there anything in the article about that? Um, yes. Yeah. So these were nudges um, that were about things like understanding that services such as tutoring exist or just prompting students to go and meet advisors uh, to help them really map out their programs. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of um, services that students were totally unaware of, including, as we were talking about, um, like the food pantry. So the use of the food pantry and just the fact that they were now nudging students about the existence of this um, saw triple, um, triple the usage of it. And as we know from the studies and from our reading of the Paying the Price mm -hmm. and others, these kinds of interventions can really move the needle. Um, so it was a wide-ranging set of interventions that I think the nudges were um, pointing, to. pointing to, some academic and some social and other things. Uh, but there, was, there were quotes from students that said, you know, um, I didn't feel like I could be a scientist in the STEM program, you know, essentially saying I, I, I thought I would drop out until these messages helped really reinforce that I belonged here. So, you know, when you start hearing from students that's when you know your nudges are working or your early alert program might be working here is that the students are now saying, hey, thanks for letting me know, or I was ready to drop out of that class. We've seen that in our own anecdotal work with clients, mm -hmm. um, many of whom are using our early alert programs at Starfish, and they will 
report back that students are often saying, you know, I didn't know you cared in this large lecture hall when I got the note from the instructor and so on. So the article actually um, conjectured a little bit toward the end because there were other studies that had been showing that perhaps nudging is not all it's cracked up to be, right, that had recently come out. And so um, the author of the Education Dive um, Summary conjectured that... Oh, wow. Are we over? I know. <laughs> that must be our cue, Jan. Okay. Let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> so... Where were we? Oh, so the authors of Education Dive were conjecturing and comparing this. So how, how could this be in these other studies, uh, one of which was about um, financial aid and nudging students to oh, apply fill or fill out for the FAFSA. And it turned out that even after encouraging 800,000 students to complete their FAFSA form, really no behaviors, the behavior was the same. Um, there was another similar study around high school students and getting them more information about the co college application process, and ultimately they applied at similar rates. And so the conjecture was that perhaps those particular studies were more broad-based. They were messages that were coming out you know, from a single entity across all students, maybe from the FAFSA or from College Board or from the Common App. I'm not exactly sure where um, they originated. Um, but just from a single entity communicating in mass to lots of students to kind of quote-unquote nudge them versus when you get a little more granular, a little more personal, um, perhaps when a nudge comes from a faculty member or a trusted advisor or a member of a particular service the student has used before, that might be more encouraging, it's more authentic in, and uh, more personalized to the student. And I think uh, to echo that, that students in the situation where it's coming from a person or an organization that they feel a connection to, whether it's a formal connection through some sort of relationship or a um, self-selected connection because I have decided to apply to that college, that probably feels much more intentional and important and personal than, oh, I took the SAT and that organization that, that sent me my scores back is texting. Yeah, great point. I think then even to try to get this more tactical, potentially for mm -hmm. anybody out there too, you know, is it simply the existence of a nudge program to do this or is it in combination with other factors that you're doing on campus, for example, growth mindset messages. When the nudges happen, what kind of a message is it? Is it a generic alert message or is it one that is encouraging for the student, you know, potentially as a right. thought? Um, and then I also want to think about, well, what are the workflows that you might have to sort of make sure that when the student does receive the nudge that you can actually act upon the action when the student does change their behavior mm -hmm. and are you capturing that tracking that measuring it and moving forward so just some thoughts out there for anyone who's listening to, you know wants to implement more of a nudging campaign or an early alert program or something like that they have to think holistically about this and I love and I hope people take from this also the idea that um, experimentation to learn what works 
and measuring its impact so that you know is a critical part of this whole process. Exactly. Well, these are great articles, Graham. All right. Thanks. We'll be back with some uh, fresh ones soon. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Also, show notes can be found on our website at studentsuccesshe.com. And if you have questions or thoughts to share, please leave us a comment on our website, Facebook, or Twitter at Student Success AG. Until next time.